0: Hi everybody, this is Julie Barella-Mills,
1: and this is Joe Lopez,
0: and we're here with Modern Times, Rock On with Joe and Julie. How are you doing, Joe?
1: Fantastic.
0: Today's um, podcast, if you just heard the song um, by Jolyn Turner, it is, uh, that was Street of Dreams, this is uh, who we are dedicating this to today, and why is it, Joe? Why are we doing that?
1: Because we're happy to announce that there's going to be a U.S. tour for Jolene Turner, and uh, we'll be coming to you with all the details on that tour, because it's definitely something you don't want to miss. You know, the guy's a legend, you know, having sold millions and millions of albums, so.
0: Yeah, especially, um, you know, he started out as, um, uh, in a, uh, his recording career, actually, um, he started with a band called Fandango. Uh, they did four albums with the uh, on RCA Records. And um, then afterwards, um, he got a call from a guy by the name of Barry Ambrosio, who was uh, Richie Blackmore's uh, personal. And, um, you know, he was living in West Village, New York. And uh, he got a call from uh, Richie to uh, audition for the band. And six hours after that, uh, you know, after making some changes to some songs like uh, I Surrender, putting some melodies, cha- making changes and stuff. Um, something that he's really well known for uh, in being a um, song doctor, so to speak. Um, he got hired for Rainbow and that kind of started his uh, um, introduction to the world.
1: Definitely. I mean, it definitely brought him to a bigger um, a bigger audience, you know, than he had, you know, with Dango for sure. You know, the, the profile was so high on Rainbow already. And... Uh, he really killed it. I mean, he he was great, you know, with the... It was definitely the most, uh, as far as the Rainbow lineups, I believe that lineup sold more albums than any of the prior two. And that's no disrespect, you know, to uh, both of the other Rainbow eras, but it, he did bring in that that sensibility of knowing what to do with a song. And uh, to this day, the Yngwie Malmsteen album that he did is still the most cohesiveness songwriting-wise, of all of the albums that EBay has ever been a part of
0: Exactly exactly and uh, interesting enough um, as uh, and I've, I've told our audience before that I'm a uh, freelance photojournalist and um, I actually have been doing it um, for since 2007. so this is my 10th year of uh, being a, a freelance photojournalist but before then, um, my second interview, Um, for a magazine called Loud Magazine.
1: (gasps) Oh, Loud Magazine.
0: (laughs) Which you're an editor of, Joe.
1: Yeah, it was my baby back then.
0: (laughs) Your baby, exactly. And uh, I remember you asking me if I could, uh, you know, you you had your uh, artist down the pipe, and it just so happened that um, Malmsteen was coming into town, into uh, Phoenix on uh, May 29th, 1988, And so you scheduled an interview with um, JoLynn Turner, um, and it was on 25 May, 1988. I remember that so well, Um, and it was an absolute blast um, to be able to get to talk to somebody who, you know, you had been listening to since you were 18 years old, and you never really thought that you were going to be able to kind of meet somebody that was, uh, you know, who touched your heart and soul as far as their music, and you're going to get to meet them in person. Right. So, but without further ado, we're actually now going to concentrate on Joe's solo tour. Um, I don't know if you know this, Joe, but it is been it's been over a decade um, since Joe Lynn Turner has had a consecutive dates now he's played here in the states i mean last year last year he was at the whiskey he was at vamped up in vegas he went three dates over there in in texas he does usually dates in new york and sometimes in florida but as far as an actual tour schedule this happens to be the longest consecutive solo tour that he has done in well over a decade and it's, it's great. I mean, it, it begins this Friday, uh, April 21st, 22nd at the Iridium uh, Jazz Club uh, in Manhattan. The, and uh, then on the 23rd, it is going to be at Brian's uh, Backyard Barbecue in East Middleton, New, uh, New York. Then he has three days off. And then he starts his tour again on the 27th at Reggie's Rock Club in Chicago, Illinois. On the 28th at the Token Lounge in Westland, Michigan. On April 29th at the Mad Frog in Cincinnati, Ohio. Then the third third leg of the tour, he is um, he's going to have an additional three days off. Then come back on May 3rd and be going to the Bull Run Restaurant in Shirley, Massachusetts. On May fourth, at Aurora, in Portland, Maine. On May fifth, he's at the Blue Ocean Music Hall. Uh, it's in Salisbury, Massachusetts. He has one day off in between, and then on May seventh, the end of the tour is in Sellers at the Sellersville Theater in Sellers Sellersville, Pennsylvania. My apologies to Sellersville uh, residents there, <laughs> but um, but that's the tour, and it's just I am. Actually I, I'm so so excited about it. Um my part that I'm taking is I happen to I'm gonna be going to the Iridium shows.
1: Yeah, you're lucky. Yeah you to go. I'd love to go and check out those uh first couple of shows there. Um, you know, one of one of the best things, you know, is that he's put together such a collection of great musicians uh for his band this time around. Um as a matter of fact, I have a quote here that uh Joe had sent over, saying um, that they have a new guitarist, uh, and it's a go- it's going to be his permanent guitarist for oh. the for the U.S. Oh, shows. Oh, really?
0: Okay. And and who is this?
1: Well, um, Joe had said, "I'm happy to announce Angus Clark, my new permanent guitarist for the U.S. shows. When he's not performing on stage with me, Angus is the guitarist for Daredevil Squad- Squadron, a New York-based hard rock band. As a guitarist, songwriter, and producer." He has performed alongside of the likes of Paul Rogers, John Anderson, Jeff Tate, Joe Walsh, and Jeff Scott Soto. Wow. And he's also toured extensively with the platinum-selling Trans-Siberian Orchestra and Grammy-winning artist Kitaro. He's also performed in Broadway's Rock of Ages and School of Rock and has a successful line of instructional videos available through truefire.com, and he is also the manager of an interactive Musical event agency called Song Division. So you're wow. talking somebody who has the chops. Yeah, you know, definitely has the chops.
0: Yeah, and uh, and that is actually it, it's wonderful that he has this um, guitarist in there. I, I actually cannot wait to see him um, again. I will be uh, taking my camera and I will be shooting the show as well. And uh, who else does he have on that uh, particular leg of the tour for um, the the New York shows?
1: Well, for the for the first leg of the tour, he has um, the uh, he has Charlie. Well, he has Charlie Zeleni on drums, uh, who plays with Whiplash, Blotted Science, and Behold the Octopus, and Angus Clark, of course, who I just mentioned on guitar. On bass, we have Rob DiMartino. Who actually plays with Virgin Steel which is a great band you know from the 80s if you all remember them um, he also has <clears throat> excuse me uh, Gary Gerber on keyboards
0: and Gary Gerber actually has started to play with him he played with him at the Dallas shows and um, last year when I did an interview with Joe um, in last August right before the uh, right before the Dallas and Houston shows, um, he, he had a lot of praise for him as well. And so I'm looking forward. This is just going to be such an electric show. And, you know, with, a, with as much as a catalog as Joe has, you know, we don't know what he's going to bring up, you know. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it. I mean, I would love to hear more solo, you know, music from him and stuff. We're talking from his, he has 10 studio albums, right um you know we has two live albums and it's interesting w- both of them uh we have live in Germany that was released in 2008 and last year we had the um uh Joel and Turner the uh, Boston 1981 85. 85. No, eighty-five. Yeah, oh. because remember, it was after the uh, rescue. T- the The rescue came out.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: because rescue came out in September of uh, nineteen eighty-five. I was working. You're at... you are talking a- about the Joe Lynn show. Yo, I'm talking about. Yeah, the Yeah, I was talking about the
1: Rainbow show. one that they put out. I'm sorry, they. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I know. About, I know oh, the Rainbow one with him on it, which is a fantastic recording too. Oh, oh, I mean, well, it that's is. A f- oh, 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 absolutely. What a cherry, I mean. That's a cherry of a show that he played.
0: Well, you have no idea. I mean, the amount of bootlegs that I have at home, I mean it's just <laughs> it's just scary. And sometimes I just I'm like, well, you know, and and in shooting shows sometimes and any of photographers that are out there, sometimes it's very difficult for us to even remember what he's even playing. Then if you're in a situation such as me where I'm also right about the shows, then I have to like keep a tabulation of what I'm doing as well as shooting the shows. And so it, it can get kind of uh, where I forget what exactly has been played. And sometimes these bootlegs have helped me in being able to really appreciate the quality and the voice that we are getting from Joel and Turner because I will tell you right now that, um, you know, Turner really is considered by many to the, be the possessor of one of the best voices in hard rock music alongside the likes of Paul Rogers. Ian Gillen or David Coverdale. And so it's just I, I'm, I consider this a homecoming of sorts obviously because he's he's from um, you know the United States and New Jersey specifically um, and um, I'm just looking forward to and I really wish the fans would come out and there and and support him um, for all the work and, and done and just be just be grateful to be able to have a voice. Such as his, because we were talking about this, right,
1: Joe? Right. Well, you know, where you know, in, in in rock, you know, people tend to lose a little bit of their voice, sometimes a lot of their voice. I hate right. to say it. Correct. And you know, especially some of the legends that we're used to, and I'm going to leave names out of it, but when I played YouTube uh, shows of Joe, his voice is still a plus, Yeah, it is. And he has not lost it. You know, which really, you know, I mean, and not to bring up the rainbow thing, I know it's kind of a sore spot, but you know, in my opinion, there was no reason on earth why he couldn't do those shows. It wasn't a matter of him not being able to uh, perform and and have the pipes yeah. that were necessary for uh, for those dates. Yeah, um, because he is sounding great. Mm-hmm. You know, I seen him. Uh, I saw one of his vid- uh, videos from about a year ago. I mean, it. I mean, it sounded.
0: Great. Yeah, and we're talking. We're talking Edge of Tomorrow. I, I think that's the one you're speaking of. It actually was released um, sometime. Uh, it was actually released in April of last year, and it was um, a, an excellent video. I um, absolutely loved it, and it was um, something that um, it was uh, filmed at the what the it's the Bico's Canyon. In yeah, it was a cool.
1: It was, a beautiful, and I had was, literally
0: yeah. major vertigo when I first mm-hmm. saw that. And I told that to Joe because I mean, literally, when you walk in and you're and you're listen, you're seeing this video. You see this canyon coming in. and I'm like, whoa! And then Joe steadied on a looks like a cliff, right? Yeah, you know, it does. and it he sitting, like he's sitting on the edge of the cliff, right? Exactly. <laughs> and so, obviously, re, um, uh, representing the edge of tomorrow because it was a geopolitical message um, that he was trying to to convey. You know, because of of what's happening in the world today. Um, and so we now actually, um, why don't we just continue? I mean, is there anybody else you want to mention um, that as far as going to be on his tour?
1: Well, you know, Gary Gerber is going to be the keyboard throughout the entire tour. Okay, All, got it. Every, every leg of the tour. Okay. And also, um, the, fir- the first leg of the tour, um, he'll have, I mean, I'm sorry, the second leg of the tour, he'll have uh, Jason Hartless uh, from Ted Nugent. Oh. Uh, Group okay. playing drums, okay, and um, on the third lake, he'll have Jules Redino playing. Uh, that's in Oyster Cult. Wow. So you know you have some really you know well, I mean seasoned
0: musicians, seasoned
1: musicians that are going to be bringing it.
0: And and that tells you about the legend of Joe. I mean, just the fact that all of these musicians will come out for you know two three dates and go, yeah, hey, I want to play with him. I mean it's just kind of like the way he did with his albums when he was producing all his, his albums um went from rescue you actually it was roy thomas baker who, who produced rescue you but since 1995 all the way through 2007 when he did you know nothing's changed and uh hurry up and wait jlt slam uh secondhand life the usual suspects um when he did that and the two cover albums that he was requested in doing um, you know, he had a lot of input in it and especially like we were talking about the Edge of Tomorrow, he allowed another writer, uh Alessandro Del Vecchio, mm-hmm. to be able to contribute that and he kind of was stepping in the back ground because he you know, he asked him, you know, hey, I want you to do this and and he came back with some songs and then he then Joe became the song doctor and be able to work it around his style and in his voice and Then he, they put out an an incredible album, which he actually said to me, um, you know, I consider it a solo album. You know, other people are going to say it's a project. And yeah, everything is a project, Um, especially when you are a solo artist and you're doing these kind, they say one-offs, but The Sunstorm, for example, was around since 2006. This was the fourth in the series. Right. Um, I don't anticipate another one ever done. I mean, you talk about a pinnacle, And I thought that Edge of Tomorrow was like that pinnacle, you know? And then he goes on to something else. Sure. You know? And so, actually, was there anybody else that you needed to mention? No, that's it
1: as far as the lineup goes, but it's a strong lineup.
0: Well, why don't we talk about a little bit about the, uh, and we have it right here. I know nobody can see this, but we have Jolyn Turner's Signature. It's a limited edition signature wine. It's called King of Dreams, which is uh, representative of the um, song he did uh, when he was in, in Deep Purple for the Slaves and Masters uh, LP that came out in in 1990. Um, I haven't tried it yet um, because I'm waiting. Uh, my thing is I'm waiting for a special occasion, and that special occasion will come soon. But uh, the of Dreams wine is an aging wine that comes the harvest of 2008, which according to the winery has been isolated in order to produce something unique. It is a blend of Cabernet Sauvignon, 50%, Cabernet Franc, 40%, and Merlot, 10%. To produce has been followed the classic red vinification with long extraction. Aged 22 months in new French oak barrels, and then remained in the bottle in ideal conditions in the cellar. And when it uh, was first advertised, I um, and they they had somewhere to sell it, you know, from. And it actually is out of Greece, um, and that website is wwwmusic uh, da- dash or hyphen. Megastore.gr. And it's uh if you don't remember that, then you could go to Joelin Turner's Facebook page or his website at ww.joelinturner.com to be able to find a link for that. And Joe also has a Twitter page as well. And um but you be able to click on that link and be able to buy the buy the wine. And it is um it was purchased for twenty-seven Euros. Uh, my shipping here to the States was also an additional 27 euros, and that was because I ordered three bottles.
1: Of course.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I know. I know. I One mean, is
1: not good enough. I know. One, One is
0: not good enough, especially if it's... Uh, <laughs> Joel and Turner. It, it's Joel know. and Turner. Exactly. So I, um, uh, I definitely will be uh, taking this and uh, just... Uh, I will enjoy it once I am able to open that bottle, and so um, I wanted to find out, um, do you have anything else to ask me about about Joe and, and so on and so forth, or what we want to talk about in service to Joe?
1: Well, I wanted to definitely mention that, you know, he will be doing meet and greets, you know, for the U.S. tour, okay. but not during the first three days. Therefore, the the New York dates are omitted from that, Okay, but... From Chicago on uh, till the end of the tour, they will be having meet and greets. And it's, you know, very affordable. You know, it's, you know, 25 to $50, you know, t- for um, the meet and greet. And, it, you know, it's a great opportunity for a lot of fans that have never gotten a chance to meet him or maybe perhaps get some memorabilia signed. You know, it's a great time uh, to do that. Yeah. So
0: if you got, if anybody is um, in the Chicago area and... Beyond. So we're talking about the dates from April 27th through May 7th. Um, there are uh, meet and greets available. Um, you do have to have at least a ticket that does not get you into the show. There are ones that were um, uh, sold as a meet and greet, uh, like a VIP package. So it's a meet and greet slash uh, ticket to the show. Um, so that will be from the 27th through May 7th. And all of that information is online on joe lynn turner's official facebook page so you know we have we have that we have all that information there and so try to find out you know what other you know what other things would you like to talk about in regards to joe do you want to ask me any questions since i seem to be the aficionado (laughs) aficionado joe
1: lynn that that is true well you know there there's so many things i mean it seems like the product you know continues to come out whether or not you know, it's something that Joe had something to do with. For example, you know, the Rainbow uh, release, um, you know, uh, uh, that just came out this past what past year? Past
0: year, it was past came year. out came out in around around March or April, or like that and stuff through Cleopatra Records. Um, also, he had of course uh, Edge of Tomorrow that came out on Frontiers, and then again with the Sessions, um, that was that, that CD is a fun that record. was October of last year, and. Interesting story about that.
1: Yeah, tell me.
0: Well, what happened was is that Joe had done. I guess it was about a two-year period back in the early '90s where he had been asked um, that these records were going to be part of his charity, uh, or, or and they actually ended in, in individually. Did end up on certain records, so we have the we have Ozzy Osbourne and we have Kiss and we have or whatever you know all of these mm-hmm. types of records that he was that um, you know he was asked to do. Um, he did the Doors. Uh, he did a song "Lunatic Fringe," which is amazing. And of course, my favorite was a, a song that uh, Icarus Witch did, which was called "Mirror Mirror," because his voice, he. Joe's like a chameleon. He has a way of being able to kind of you get this real clean voice like you had in Rainbow, and then you get you you put in his uh, you know rhythm and blues influences, and so then you get this like smoky and gravelly um, you know voice. jealous lover kind of oh my gosh oh, oh absolutely
1: smokiness <laughs> that he like,
0: yeah you do and you're like wow and, you know he's really feeling it and um, you know and a lot of his solo albums were even extensions of that when you had songs like um uh bad blood on uh, nothing's changed or you had uh, shine on which was one of my favorites which is off of uh hurry up and freedom swing oh freedom Swing! Yes, come on freedom Swing! of a tune yeah of a song absolutely and then you have like the later tunes and stuff where you know he's just doing some some wonderful ballads um you know we have uh uh, really loved, or we have a, an excellent... It's a favorite of mine, like Love Don't he- Live Here, um, and that was off of a JLT. Or you have some uh, other songs, like really, really hard rock songs like Evil, which is off of Slam. It's just he, he just... he can just turn it on and turn it off whenever he needs to, and that's why he's been so successful. And I don't know if you have, but have you ever heard anybody... I think I have where they've done the style of Joel and Turner, but you just don't get. You it's like Well, you know what I mean you with, know?
1: with Joe, I mean the, the the great thing about Joe is that you know, he can he can turn up the volume when he wants to. He can croon a love song when he wants to. And but yet he you know, as we've seen with Sunstorm, he can be you know the the excellent AOR type of vocalist sure. as well. And it's just, you know, that's what makes jlt grape is it and i hate using that word great again because i keep using it but it's you know that's what ke- makes him the legend that he is because you know being able to do all those types of projects mm-hmm. you know and still come off with a you know pulling it off right you know and not sounding ridiculous you know and stuff you know you get madonna trying to rap and you just kind of like laugh you're just like Oh, what the hell was she trying to do? You know, let her keep to her. You know what made her great—the the dance pop stuff. Sure. Whereas Joe Lynn's been able to branch out. You know, I could see Joe doing a, a blues record. Oh my I really gosh! Can. Easy time. Easy. You know.
0: Absolutely easy. And and one of his um you know favorite singers um other than uh you had uh you know Paul Rogers and stuff was Otis Redding and that's why I mentioned that song Shine On. You know, a lot of people maybe not hear that in that. That rhythm and blues influence, even though we're mentioning it, mm-hmm. but if when you really, really deep down inside listen to his songs, and and the kind of the way he emotes the the track or or kind of puts the feeling um, into it, you know, you really
1: love conquers all. Oh, <laughs> from the Slaves and Masters album. Can we? I mean, yeah. Hey, one of my favorite tunes. Yeah. By him. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, he does the lyrics, on it, and that's the great thing about Joe. Joe can always. Count on some good, you know, lyrics to go along with the tunes.
0: Well, and even Richie Blackmore had mentioned, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, his magic lyric bag. He mentions magic that, you know, when when he first came word. in. Yeah. And, and that was when he first got into Rainbow, you know, when he's doing he's doing the changes on I Surrender. And, and it was, you know, that was uh, Russ Ballard's song. And remember, Russ Ballard had another, you know, quote-unquote hit, which was the uh, Since You've Been Gone. Mm. Now, interesting enough, it's so funny. You were talking about the charting success of what Joel and Turner has been able to do here in the states. You know that it, even though "I Surrender" was written by Ross Ballard, and sure. you know Joe and Richie and, and stuff put their you know their signature on there. What was interesting is that the song before, which was "Since You've Been Gone," reached number five. In the U.K. charts, okay?
1: And that was Rose Ballard also. Right. Yeah.
0: I surrender went to number three. So, I mean, right out of the gate. Jolynn Turner is going to be a force to be reckoned with. And the fact of the matter is whether Rainbow fans say that he was, quote-unquote, too commercial I mean, you know, it's there's nothing wrong, really. And like like Jimi Hendrix said, and Joe Joe has actually mentioned this, um, you know, in the article that I that I did with him. You know that uh, you know there's nothing there's nothing wrong with being with being commercial. And and, and Jimi Hendrix even said that you know had that idea. Oh, that, here it is. As as Hendrix once said, "There's no crime in having your songs played on a jukebox."
1: You know? Right, and and at that juncture. Um, you know, and I'm a huge, huge Rainbow fan of the Dio era, so it's definitely, you know, but at that point in time, Richie said, you know what, I want to hear my songs on the radio, okay. and that was his goal um, with, the, um, with the Joel and Turner lineup, was to have his songs on the radio. He wanted to have it. That was something that he wanted, and as being the, you know, band leader, definitely, or uh, rainbow, you right? And he, he actu- sought to do that,
0: right? And he actually mentioned that fact. Um, that was uh, when that metal show was still uh, available oh, mm-hmm. with um, Eddie Trunk, uh, Jim Florentine, and and uh, those guys. They had he had um, uh, mentioned that specifically because they asked him, "Well, why did you sing that?" He goes, "He says I was pretty much asked to, you know. That was it was an order. I mean, look at a song like, for example, you were mentioned before, Jealous Lover. Okay." Mm-hmm. Apparently, a riff was uh, This was the story: is that there was a riff that had Joe had already formulated, and jo- and uh, or whatever. You know, he was he was writing lyrics too. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, what happened was, as Richie comes in the studio and's like, you know, he's playing something else. He goes, "Well, what are you doing?" He says, "That's not." He goes, "That's not the riff I was working on." He's like, "Yeah, it is." And so, you know, apparently that the story goes that Joe was having a fight with his girlfriend or something. And uh, his uh, and then uh, he goes and starts writing this thing, you know, in the in the as they call it, the throne for you guys or something, whatever it is. (laughs) And uh, and then comes out with this song. And it ends up going to, and I believe, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, through a uh, website called Songfacts.com. I think it went through to number 13, number either 19 or 13 on the mainstream rock chart. And an EP here in the states was released, which had uh, White Time, which was a B-side, right. um, and also Can't Happen Here and I Surrender. Mm-hmm. So it was this EP, and that even charted you know, on the billboard 100 at one point. So, you know, something like a, a song that took, what, five, 10 minutes to do and stuff, ends up becoming hit. And he was, again, it was something of an experience that he had, and then he puts that, you know, rhythm and blues feel to it. So, again, you're, you you come out sounding really clean. Like, so for example, with, with Fandango, there was, there was a lot of clean vocal in there, but then you could, you also heard a lot of, you did start to hear uh, the blues. Right. Um, and then with Rainbow, of course, you heard the clean vocals. And then you, you could kind of hear the blues. Like when you did Midtown Tunnel Ablision or No Release yeah, was, of, yeah. of, of, of uh, Difficult to Cure. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then, of course, Straight Between the Eyes. Straight Between the Eyes. What an album. Okay, this year, and I got to tell you this, Joe, did you know that this is the 35th anniversary
1: Incredible. of the
0: release of Straight Between the Eyes? Yeah, yeah,
1: I remember when it came out. At least I can still remember. Uh
0: huh. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> well, you know, let me tell you this other factoid. This is really interesting. The single, which was um, it, it's Stone Cold, came out around this time, around the twenty first or twenty fourth uh, on the Billboard charts. It debuted on the Billboard charts around June fifth. Of uh, that same year in 1982, it went number one on the mainstream rock chart. Mm -hmm. Okay. Jolin Turner and Rainbow come into town, Madison Square Garden, June 19th, 1982. Now, they had already been touring a little bit of Canada and stuff, but they were now starting to come. But this was going to be Jolin Turner's homecoming in front of his family and friends since he had been in Fandango and he had been traveling the world and so on and so forth with Rainbow. And ironically enough, and I found this out through research that I did, the week ending, June nineteenth, 1982, the same day that uh, Jolyn Turner and company came to um, play at Madison Square Garden with the Scorpions and Riot, Stone Cold went number 40 on the Hot 100 Billboard charts. And it was actually Rainbow's top 40 hit. Now, Street of Dreams did well, too. It went number 60 later and stuff when that was released. Power was also released. Um, you know, they had I Surrender released. And they made their their way on the, the mainstream rock charts. But the two songs in particular were, in, you know, Stone Cold. And then later, of course, Street of Dreams, which is uh, what we played in the beginning, which is off of Been Out of Shape.
1: And heavy rotation on MTV. Oh. Because, and that was good because it was mainstream rotation. Oh. It wasn't, you know, just during... You know, Headbangers Ball, or you know, or or Rock Hour of some sort. It was on normal rotation continuously, and it was a great video. Well, speaking about can't happen here. when a uh, a video award?
0: Absolutely, Before. and it was like um, it, this video award for it was like a, a blend of uh, animation and live action, and and that's what it, what it got it for. And and Joe always tells a story about it, and it's just it's so funny. You know what he when he tells that, and it's just it's. It's amazing, um, the staying power in that. And interesting enough, if another factoid, you were talking about MTV. Last year, a book came out by um, Greg Prado, and it was called The Other Side of Rainbow, where in one of the chapters, they do highlight the MTV era of, uh, you know, with, you know, and and how Rainbow was affected by it. Right. Because um, they were not big in doing actual videos. I mean, yeah, you had, I mean, you did Death Alley Drive, which I absolutely love because you're in that <laughs> <Richard>. cemetery, <laughs> you know, and there's the, the bike and the whole thing. I mean, you're really, and then, you know, Richie's in the sedan and everything and, and stuff. But um, I'll tell you, another factoid can happen here. MTV debuted on August 1st, 1981. I remember that so well. And why? I was 14 years old, and I was playing softball that day. I hit my first home run, my only home (laughs) Home run run. (laughs) that day. And it so happened that MTV television had debuted that day. The 50-second video that played was Can't Happen Here. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, there's always this, you know... The, when Joe Lynn Turner came in, it was very impactful, very fast, and he really, really enjoyed the fruits of being a part of this uh, amazing band, especially with somebody like Richie Blackmore, who was this guitar god with, um, with Deep Purple. And, um, you know, it's so funny, because I know the other day you were you were actually talking about this, Joe, and we were talking about you know what maybe you know Joe might be doing for his um, his solo tour, um, and I came across something that was um, really 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 quite interesting. Um, we were talking about Blackmore, and um, a friend of mine had posted something, and, and uh, somebody had said, "Why isn't Richie considered one of the greatest guitar players?" Okay, and the reason I bring this up, and I am kind of am relating this to Jolyn and Turner, and we were talking about the thing with solos because you were like saying we we need to play more solo material and so on and so forth. Because he'll play a mixture with, um, you know, dedicating something to Ronnie Dio, or you know, he'll play like some right. stuff for because he'll play because he was in Deep Purple, so he's going to play, you know, a a couple
1: uh, of Deep Purple songs, uh, right?
0: But I would hope that he plays more of.
1: His, his songs, his beautiful. songs,
0: like Cut Runs Deep,
1: Cut you runs know, deep.
0: or like you were mentioning, uh, Love Conquers All, or um, you got, uh, you know, Breakfast in Bed, or King of know,
1: Dreams, I mean, I know, yeah. just, just to be able to, <laughs> to,
0: to do, <laughs> I know, to
1: have that with the wine, you know what I mean, but it, no, but I mean, that's a great song, and I think he was, you know, definitely a part of that, I think he really likes and enjoys uh, singing Burn, for some reason, I just get the, you know, and, and definitely ask him when you when you when you meet up with him uh, later this week. Um, you know, if that that has to be one because that's a chestnut, and it's not even you know from the Ian. You know, but I remember that uh, he did he did uh, sing that when he was on tour with Deep Purple. Mm-hmm. You know, yep.
0: oh, uh, absolutely did, and all of those I think songs. I he really and, enjoys and he, that, and, and he does because you know when he was in the band Ezra, for example, which was not a recording was never recorded. Um it was in the early 70s that he was a part of that band. Um they did uh cover uh material of uh Free of Jimi Hendrix mm-hmm. and uh you know of Deep Purple and they did some you know originals as well. But the reason why I brought up this thing with Blackmore and stuff and the solo part is the reply that my friend John Madrick made and he's a guitarist over there in Florida and so I wanted to pull a, a you know do a shout out to him. And he said And you might agree with this. One reason that Blackmore is not considered the greatest okay, guitarist is that he didn't pander to the fans. And he is simply a musician on his own terms. So whilst other guitarists built loyalty and admiration based on emotional imperatives by fans, Blackmore just played. Correct. Those who know music know that he is absolutely one of if not the greatest guitarist of rock. And the same thing with Joe and Turner. I mean, you know, Joe may be unfairly criticized for doing songs, you know, that are weren't part of his catalog, but he has reasons for doing it because he was part of those bands. And I, you know, going and seeing him, um, as I have for, for a number of years and covering his career... Um, I've been treated to some amazing tracks that he's had, you know, like when he was promoting his second-hand life back in 2007 when I first saw him, and this was actually in Japan. Um, hearing Your Love is Life or, you know, hearing Stroke of Midnight, which was a song, interesting enough, that was um, supposed to be on the Battle Rages On album. Right. Remember mm-hmm. when, when he was in Deep Purple at the time, but at the time he, he left Deep Purple and um, it became one man's meat, which Ian Gillen ended up singing and stuff. So but my point is is that I've been blessed to be able to hear a wealth of material over the years. Sure, wouldn't I like to be able to kind of put my, you know, desert island disc version <laughs> of it and stuff. But there are other souls in the venue. There are other people who just right. want to, to hear him sing. So it doesn't matter what he sings. He can sing the phone book for all I care. You know, the fact of the matter is, is he's there. Right. And he's giving he's giving it his all. And his voice is amazing.
1: Still sounds amazing.
0: Still sounds amazing. So with that, um, I believe we're going to wrap it up here. All right. And it's it's been a fantastic conversation. I know I've, you know, kind of probably went a little bit more overboard than I should Um, but the fact of the matter is I am so so excited to be able to go and fly over there to New York and uh, be able to go to the Iridium Jazz Club um, over there on Broadway it is a very historic club Uh, Les Paul um, when he was alive he played there for 15 years every Monday night doing acoustic sets and you have some amazing artists from all different spectrums playing there and it's um, it's going to be definitely a very very special night, and uh, I know that uh, there's going to be some special guests that are going to be there. That that I've kind of mm-hmm. I've kind of heard all right. that I might know. be there, and cool. so you'll never know. And you never know with the Joel and Turner song, you know, there they'll be friends friends of his, 'cause he like he said with all these band members that he has, he has he's a lot of friends in the business.
1: Yeah,
0: and they've been they've been mighty good to him stuff so and he's been mighty good to us fans and we are we are absolutely grateful for that so with that we end yeah. have a good one everybody and uh, this edition of rock on with joel and julie is now in the books thea.